You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the podcast designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. This is episode number 70, Data Storytelling, an interview with Kat Greenbrock. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, the weekly podcast for statisticians in the health sector who want to reach their potential to serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. We have an awesome webinar upcoming on leadership. And leadership is so, so crucially important for you to be successful at work. If you don't have good leadership skills, everything else falls apart and you'll be probably pretty frustrated in the long run. So go on to the homepage of the Effective Statistician, theeffectivestatistician.com slash leadership webinar and register there your interest. It will be pretty awesome, I can tell you. So, so go there directly and sign up for that. And please also tell your colleagues about it. So in today's episode, we are talking all about data storytelling. Data storytelling is actually a pretty, pretty cool thing. And we have an expert guest here. Kat Greenberg said, has joined us from, from my part, the other side of the, the, uh, the globe from New Zealand. Um, she's doing, uh, Lots of training in that regard and also has a pretty awesome uh, homepage that you can find in the show notes. So keep listening to this amazing, insightful interview. This podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practice and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to special interest groups, the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. The reduced rate is just £20, and for high-income countries, it's £95. So visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. And this time it's again uh, my partner in crime, Benjamin Pieske. Hi, Benjamin. How are you doing? Hi, Alexander. Very well. Thanks. And where it's here very, very late in Germany, it's past 9 p.m. It's very, very early on the other side of the world where it's just 7 a.m. And that's where our guest of today is sitting. Hi, Kat. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. <laughs> very good. Awesome to speak another time to someone uh, from that part of the world. We already had one interview guest, uh, Alan Branovic from uh, Australia. Um, and it's good to have someone else from that part of the world again. So um, today we will talk about um, something that is very close to Kat's heart and where all her kind of business is around. Uh, but before we dive into that, Kat, maybe you can first introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I run a data storytelling company from New Zealand, uh, based in Wellington. 
My background is analytics. So I've worked in analytics for a very long time. Uh, in the last five years or so, trying to just combine more of the, the analytics data side with more of the design side. And so I'm having a lot of fun in this whole insight communication space, which I think is really, really important. Very nice. So, what what exactly um, are you working on then? So, what I mean, you're saying that data storyteller. So, what do you understand by storytelling with data? So, I'm quite um, you know I, when when I first um, <clears throat> saw your website, um, um, we can get to the website a little bit later then. But uh, you know, I was quite surprised in seeing so data storyteller you know it's obviously no fairy tales you know i have kids at home so i know what storytelling is but data storytelling must be something different yes so it, it is a, a kind of a misconception that storytelling should be all about fiction and fantasy uh, you can have very factual storytelling Uh, but it does kind of, the word is used, it's only really come about probably in the last 12 months when talking about data. Um, before that, it wasn't a term that was common. Data storytelling is how, just how you make insights or any kind of information uh, relevant and engaging to the audience that you're talking to. And so it can be a bunch of statisticians. It can be the general public. Uh, but a lot of the time... We, we just expect that data is going to speak for itself, uh, whereas that never happens. And so we have to think about who we're talking to and how do we actually make our data and insights resonate with those people. I really like the two things that you said to, to make it relevant and, and engaging. So it's really about not just the facts, but also about um, how these facts actually are relevant and important and, uh, you know, um, in which kind of frames they are for the audience and engaging, you mean kind of emotionally engaging? Uh, yeah, it can be emotionally engaging. Uh, just engaging I find just interesting. So if you're talking to a bunch of people who are not really interested in the topic that you're talking about, you need to somehow figure out a way to, to make it interesting for them. And so it's all about understanding your audience and what motivates them to effectively communicate what you're trying to say. So why is storytelling, data storytelling, then so important? Um, is it just to make it a little bit more interesting or is that the only thing that's, that's helpful there? Yeah, I think of data storytelling as a step on the pathway to actioning your analytics or getting some sort of... Um, something to happen from, from the data that you're using. So data is obviously very important, but it's, it's kind of useless if you don't do anything with it. And, and data storytelling is, helps to bridge that gap between your data team or your analytics team, if you're working within a bigger company, and the rest of the business, the operational side, who will actually be able to do something with that insight. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a very important step in bridging that gap. Yeah, I think in in the pharma world, it's very often about that the uh, statisticians sit, let's say, directly on the data, and then that is passed on through lots of different kind of layers of the organization in terms of 
medicals and to marketings and to sales and then kind of lots of different other channels. So the bigger the organizations, the more channels you will have. So um, I think that's where a lot of uh, things happening. Yes, definitely. So the bigger the company, the more the more teams you're going to have within it, uh, the more potential you're going to have to to actually do a lot with your insights and your data. Uh, the bigger the company, generally, the bigger the data. Uh, but you've got to definitely think about all those different audiences, even within quite a big company, that you're going to have to try to communicate to. And just just as an example, so what is the like? What what is your jobs or what are your um, <laughs> work is then like who's the contractor or who's organizing it because I mean obviously you need to know your audience audience you need to have some data you need to have some insight into the audience into the um, into the expectations and everything so who's asking you to either present or to work within a company um, to um, to support the group and what is the aim of those uh, audio or to, of your uh, of your role there yeah so uh, I split my role uh, into I guess half half of my role involves training and so I do uh, data story training workshops and then the other half of the role is more project work and working with these companies to help them with their data storytelling. Typically, uh, this project work is data storytelling in-house. So the audience is uh, other people within mm -hmm. that company, uh, but not involved with the data team. So I work with data or analytics teams. Uh, having come from those teams, having come from that background, uh, I find it very easy to uh, work with these people, work with these data people. I understand the jargon and the lingo they use. Uh, and then they're really, really good at the stats side of things, the modeling side of things, very good at the analysis. Uh, what they need help with is just how do they how do they push that information out of out of their team uh, in a way that's going to resonate with other people around the business. And so I'll step in after they've done all the analysis and just help them to try and get a little bit more of an understanding of who they're talking to, how how they should frame that communication in a way that's going to be effective. Yes, I can see that, that statisticians need to have a much bigger role in that because they best understand the data. They best understand where are the uh, limitations and the strengths of the data. And I think also to have a, let's say, unbiased communication regarding that it's best to have statisticians involved in there um, to make sure that, you know, there's no, you know, when you come up with a story, it's not over overselling or that it leaves out uh, relevant parts. Yeah, unbiased is uh, almost something that's non-attainable, I think, <laughs> especially when it involves data. And we can, we can think that we're being unbiased, but everything about, how we collect it, how we model it, I mean, just the the groups that we make when we segment data. It's it's all there's bias in that, and I think we're kidding ourselves if we think that we can treat data without bias. Okay, that's an interesting point of view. And if you're completely transparent about what you're doing, 
would that help to decrease the bias? Or at least uh, I think it's more just being yeah aware of the possible bias that you could be um, incorporating. And so, yes, being transparent and open about what you're doing and how you choose to treat it, absolutely. Uh, it makes it easier for maybe perhaps other people to pick up the bias that you don't see. Because um, sometimes you're not going to be able to identify the bias. You're, you're, you're just going to, it's, it's unconscious. So how, how, do you, how do you treat something you, you don't actually know is there? So what other roles do you want the statisticians to play in, in this field? Or what should statisticians kind of work on more? Uh, I think the most important thing is actually understanding where the work fits into the bigger picture. So a lot of the time, and myself included, so I've, I've done a couple of different data science roles, and you get very involved in the process and the method, so, you know, what model am I going to use to do this? How am I going to prepare my data? Uh, but you, you almost forget about the bigger picture mm -hmm. and why you're doing it. Uh, it, took, it took me uh, actually going out of a corporate environment and working for a very, very small startup to realize that actually this is why I'm doing this, this analysis. This is what we want to, to try and change within the business. And sometimes the bigger, when you work for bigger companies, you, you almost lose that because you're so removed from the actual what happens. You're actually so removed from the front line almost that you forget why yeah. you're doing what and you're I doing. And I think then you can also spend enormous amount of time on things that really don't matter so much, that don't add to the most critical storyline. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, and well, what would you then recommend as a you know learning approach for statisticians to um i mean it's always quite easy to say getting a big, bigger picture but what can they do themselves to really get the bit of better picture to understand who they're talking to to so what is the do you have any tips tricks for them for our listeners uh so whenever you start any any project any stats project analytics project whatever you want to call it uh Write down in one sentence the purpose of it. And this is not the purpose for your team. This is the purpose uh, thinking in terms of uh, the wider business. And if you cannot identify the purpose, uh, you, you don't know what you're working on well enough. You don't know why you're working on it well enough. And so the purpose is generally something that will be fulfilled outside of the team. Uh, and you're providing some of some of the insights that can help to help to do that. Uh, so sometimes just writing down what is the purpose of this project I'm working on? Maybe it's to reduce customer churn overall from a, for a business. And you're providing some of the insights that will mm -hmm. help do that. Uh, but ultimately, the actions that will drive that purpose or fulfill that purpose uh, are not going to be done by people. Uh, within maybe the data team. Uh, so if it's a customer churn example, uh, the actions that can help fulfill that purpose could be some sort of uh, loyalty scheme, which obviously is not going to be set up by the data team. Uh, but it's just having an understanding of how all the different parts of the company work together and the role that you play in it 
just being very, very clear on what it is and why you do it will help. Uh, in regards to different audiences, it's just thinking that understanding that not everybody thinks the same as you and not everybody should be communicated to in the same way that you Yeah, another part to. that I have seen very successfully is basically co-creation. So um, in the medical field, you would, for example, work with key opinion leaders or um, uh, customers uh, and basically create the material together with them. That helps you to on many fronts. So first you understand what really matters most, what you can focus on, and it helps you to convey it in such a way that it's understandable for the, for the audience because you basically work with uh, people from the audience. Yes, and I've been involved in teams like that before as well. And it is it is very effective because it gives everybody in those teams, uh, statisticians or other people outside of those teams, uh, more of an empathy and understanding about each role as well. So not only do you learn why you're doing it, what how it fits into the, into the wider company, you also understand the struggles that other people from different teams have and how you can help to maybe yeah. get rid of those. Yeah, in any way, kind of get out of your kind of little bubble that is kind of that we all live in <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis and and you know maybe yeah. have a lunch meeting with someone from the other department that you know will use these data and and speak about what are their problems what are their main concerns and that will help you a lot with seeing the bigger picture i think we we touched this topics yep. uh, on different podcasts already uh, where we said you know how to interact with different other departments that the statistician is usually interacting so where where it's i mean this is now now i mean today we are focusing more on the on the purpose of presenting the data or giving the data or, but it, in general i think there's a lot of activities that the statistician need to be trained on or should be involved in the discussions and in the uh, in the understanding of um, the the audience or the other departments that that they're connected to to the statistician and i think this is a um this is nothing that you can figure out at the end at a lunch table so i mean this is at the at the end this will, will bring you to the to the one sentence or one word uh, for the purpose but this may uh, this may not be um, i mean you need longer time and more training to understand what the medical background is what the under you know what the the mindset what the the the, um, the, the wordings the the expressions and so on of, of for example medics are so this is a long long way to go but yeah i think it's it's very important to really um, sit together And, and understand um, the overall picture better and, and bring this into a key yeah. word yeah. or key sentence. So, so what, if you go to the homepage that you have created for your company, um, there's a lot about visualizations. So what role do visualizations play in data storytelling? Usually a big one. So a lot of people confuse data visualization with uh, a data story. Uh, so data storytelling is made up of three parts. Um, 
according to my definition. <laughs> you can argue if you like, but I, I, I think uh, data, obviously an understanding of data, um, an understanding of narrative structure and uh, an understanding of data visualization or some sort of visualization. So when you combine all these, these three things, data, story, and visualization, you get data storytelling. So if you take out the visual component, if you just combine narrative and data, you get a data story. And so this is purely just a narrative uh, that combines some sort of data and information. So it's, a, it's purely a written thing. As soon as you inject a visual component, this is the telling side of data storytelling. So this is how you tell or communicate your data story. And it's, it's normally done in a very visual way because in a, in a business sense, uh, it's a very easy thing to do. There's lots of software around that will enable you to, to do data visualization. Uh, data visualization for storytelling, though, is slightly different than the data visualization you do to explore data in the way of so generating insights. The visualizations that we use here, it's not visualization for exploratory, but for explanatory. Uh, or for data messaging. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay. Exactly. And that, of course, requires different software. But uh, let's, let's kind of focus on the, um, on, on the visualization part. So I can use kind of any visualization. I can create that pretty fast with, you know, some template uh, things from whatsoever, Excel or whatever. And that's quite fast done. But when I then see kind of really, really nice graphs, like from Nancy Duarte, who, you know, helped with um, the former vice president for his uh, climate change uh, initiative, uh, Al Gore, um, these things look really, really nice. Um, but to be honest, I have very, very cl little clue about why they look nice. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Why uh, a graph wh looks What nice. makes a graph look nice? So, so <laughs> you know, obviously <laughs> it's, you know, it's just not, you know, pull um, an Excel graph and then you are done. So, so what is needed to make it actually more, yeah. more appealing and, and kind of, um, get the reader to actually see it on one glance what what he or she needs to see and kind of what makes a what makes a good visualization stand out yeah i think uh there could be two parts to this um obviously the visual side so if you have an understanding of uh design principles these will help you to uh, make your graph look more appealing Uh, so little things like cleaning up some of some of the clutter that def that default uh, tools put in there, like grid lines, borders, things like that, he's helped to clean it up. Uh, but I think what makes them most appealing is the fact that you don't have to struggle to understand their message. And so a lot of the time when we put graphs in front of them, in front of people, even if they are very well designed. Sometimes those people are still left with that kind of that so what question. Why why do I why should I care mm -hmm. almost? 
And that's got to do with where do they fit into, where does this graph fit into the bigger message? So if you've got a narrative or a data story that's already been written, uh, it will be very, very easy for you to design a graph that helps support or tell that story. And, and so just having an idea of what is your takeaway from the graph, it's not, it's not just going to speak for itself. Uh, unless the unless the audience is really really already engaged with the topic the graph the graph needs to um, have some sort of uh, takeaway or message that it's that it's sharing and it can't be left up to the audience to figure that out so you want to include some message in the graph as well so like the like a title uh, so takeaway so to say Yep, takeaway titles are great. Uh, annotations are great. Whatever you need to communicate uh, the purpose of the graph almost. So ideally, when you're doing data storytelling, the graph should fit into a bigger narrative, uh, but the graph should all also be able to stand on its own in regards to if you put that in front of someone, you put a really good takeaway title on it, include annotations if you need them, um, add design contrast to the bits that you really want to stand out, Just by making those little changes, uh, you can make your graph a lot more engaging. What, what exactly, what, what software do you use then? I mean, I can imagine the question is, you know, I can imagine that, um, you know, people, uh, I'm not saying they're sick of Excel graphics, but they are, you know, you, you've seen that so many times and the closer you you keep with the standards, with the, you know, Pre preset settings of um, any any software that you use, so people get used to. Um, the, the closer you are, the, the less the, the more they are bored. So I would expect that going going away from from the standard using some more fancy software could at least be an explanation of why uh, visualization is um, more appealing. Um, because it's just unusual, different, different th thoughts behind it than just using our standards. So, so again, so what, what, what software do you use then for, for that one? Uh, so my software, uh, my tool of choice is Adobe mm -hmm. Illustrator, uh, which is a design software. But I don't, okay. I don't think that's the reason that some graphs look more engaging than others. I, I do think it's about learning a tool doesn't matter what it is, and just learning it well enough that it doesn't restrict you in what you do. And so if, you, if you're an Excel user, uh, just learn Excel as well as you can so that it, it doesn't limit how you use it. And so I think you can do some, some really good graphs in Excel. You just need to get away from, from those default settings a little bit. Yep. And uh, graphing or data visualization for storytelling involves customizing what you're doing so the story is always going to have to relate back to uh, the message that you want to tell and so that's always going to have to be able to be customized by you and so excel is actually a very good tool to customize it does let you do a lot um, even if it is a little bit manual and fiddly um, a lot of them are uh, it's it's the the data viz tools that are heavily automated and don't let you customize that are a lot harder to use for data okay. storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think the point is to really get away from the standards, yeah. 
So in terms of one of the things you mentioned earlier is decluttering. Um, so what does that mean and why it's important? A lot of the time we include um, we include things on graphs or visualizations that don't add anything. And so if you can start to remove that, white space is definitely your friend. Um, if you have too much too much going on, um, it just it, it looks messy and it creates this barrier for your audience that they may not necessarily want to engage with. So the cleaner you can make your, your graph, uh, the, the less of a barrier your audience is going to have to look, to look at it. And it, it's, not, it's not much. It is just like mentioned before, grid lines, borders. Um, some data labels may not need to be there. Uh, so there are certain parts of the graph that you can clean up instantly from default settings that will automatically improve how it looks. Even just uh, alignment of text can make a huge difference. If you've got annotations and they're centrally aligned, uh, this looks very cluttered. But as soon as you left or right align those annotations, uh, it instantly cleans it up. And so alignment means that there's kind of less kind of lines overall in the graph. Everything is kind of more uh, left, right aligned. And basically from a design perspective less is more so to say i think well you're starting to include um some of they're called gestalt principles and so there's a gestalt principle called continuity which is all about alignment and we look out, we like alignment as people we like things very ordered and the more order you can add uh the more uh cleaner that your mm -hmm. graph is going to look and in terms of color, when I, you know, start an Excel graph and I have five categories, all these five categories gets, uh, get a different color automatically. Um, mm -hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or <laughs> <laughs> it depends who you ask. <laughs> okay, so, yep. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> color color is is very polarizing. Um, you'll have I've actually worked on a project before, and I used uh, the company's brand colors. And the very first piece of feedback that I got on that particular uh, graph was that I don't like color. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's your brand color. <laughs> So you're never going to please everyone with color. And so uh, just, I guess, understanding that first up. But a lot of uh, default settings do, as you say, have a different color per category or whatever it's describing. And these just aren't really necessary, uh, especially if you've already got, if it's maybe a bar graph and all all your bars are already labeled, they don't need to be different colors as well as as labels. Um, so some of these things, just identifying whether color is required or not. Sometimes color is completely redundant. And if you strip out all the color or just make it all the same color, um, it still looks the same and the message is, is still communicated. So I try and avoid rainbows. I think they're very distracting. So rainbows, you mean uh, grass with all the colors of the rainbow, basically. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> bright, bright colors. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes color is a really nice way to kind of focus your attention uh, or the attention of the audience. If there's only one part in your um, graph that is, let's say, red, that is, you know, where you will directly look into when everything else is kind of in black, white, and gray. And then... Yeah, but, but on the other hand, colors are also, you know, there's also yeah. a meaning behind the color often. If you say there's something about red, then this is usually like a red flag and alarm. So maybe negatively, you know, um, put together, even if it's, if it's a positive message. So that's why I think using colors is a, yeah, but if a you story want to for itself. Some, you um, know, a risk, a side effect or something like this, then maybe red is a right color. Um, that red might be fine. And, yeah, and green fine, for yeah. no response or something like this, or blue or something, you know, more positive color. Blue and green for <laughs> environmental topics. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all the colors are set somehow. I mean, there's always yeah. like some bias in the colors. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I follow you. It's just something to keep in mind when using colors. Okay, so, so sure. color is one important thing. Um, we talked about alignment as an important thing. Um, what other elements should we focus on uh, from a design perspective? Good question. Uh, I think when you're doing graphing for storytelling, uh, it's more how do you add contrast in the right places uh, so that your message is obvious. And so whenever I'm putting a graph together for a data storytelling purpose, the first thing that I think of before I even design the graph is what is the takeaway title? What is my message? And when you can understand that, then you think about, okay, what is the best way to visualize the data that's going to support this takeaway title? And then what design contrast can I add to help support that even further? Can you give an example of what a design contrast would be? Yeah, so uh, it, it could just be, say you've got a, a scatter, scatter plot, for instance, and you've got all these dots everywhere. Maybe some of those dots are colored differently. Maybe some of them are just white with an outline and some of them are solid. And so those solid dots are going to stand out a lot more than just the outline dots uh, because they've, you've given them more mm -hmm. design contrast. And so ideally what you'd be talking about in your takeaway title has to do with those solid colored dots. So they've added more design contrast. You've made them stand out more because that's what you're referring to in your title. Okay. Or another part would be if you have multiple mm. bars in a bar chart and you want to highlight this one bar, you know, maybe see the one dosing scheme that has the highest um, rate of... Uh, adverse events that you would color and then stand out and say, yeah, we abandon, yeah, that dosing scheme or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's a really hard thing to do though, because uh, we struggle, I think, um, as analysts or statisticians sometimes to write a takeaway title because writing a takeaway title involves having uh, an opinion or having what we might think of as bias uh, towards our subject in question. And 
I, I have a science degree. I studied genetics and biochem. And we got taught uh, at university to be very or try and approach things in a very unbiased way. So our titles of our graphs uh, generally just involve writing the data elements. So it could be um, proportion of something versus um, proportion of something else. So that you're just including the data elements in the title. And in a business sense, in a storytelling sense, uh, that's that's not a takeaway message at all. And so sometimes just being able to write that takeaway title can be can be very difficult. Yeah, I think we need to overcome there kind of our limiting beliefs that if if we are don't do it, nobody else will do it either, and you know, the data will tell for itself. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a disservice to the audience if we are not, you know, uh, focusing where, you know, where the main thing is happening. Yeah. And companies are a lot more open in expecting this, I think, these days. Uh, they're no longer just expecting uh, a statistician or a data scientist or an analyst to just present or put information in front of them anymore uh, there's these people working with this data are the ones who understand it the most and they should be able to link up those insights that they find with the the purpose or the bigger picture that the company is facing and they are in the best position to effectively communicate that now and companies are expecting a lot more of people in these positions to really have Uh, a strategic opinion yeah. on them. Yeah, I think statisticians can bring much more value if they have these skills uh, in addition and, and can, you know, not just provide the tables, but actually wrap them in such a way that it's easy to communicate. And I also think that that way you can, you know, much better control the overall language, as I said earlier. Um, But of course, these kind of skills are very often not taught in, you know, the usual university settings, at least not at my time <laughs> when I went to university. So um, where, where can people learn about these uh, data storytelling skills? Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, especially when I went to university, I mean, data science wasn't even taught Um Uh, it's a very new field, data storytelling, and I think there's more chance now of going and studying design and then also studying data science, but there's no degree that I know of that really combines those two, those two skills. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of it is either going to workshops and training courses, uh, independent workshops, uh, or it's self-study. So I... Uh, a lot of the stuff that I have learnt has been through self-study of um, other people's websites. There's a lot of great uh, design resources out there. Uh, so sometimes it's, it is understanding that the skills that you need, you're not going to find within your current discipline. So uh, if you're a statistician, you're probably not going to find data storytelling skills in the stats mm -hmm. yep. field yet. You're going to have to, to look elsewhere. And so I've had to... Uh, go into um, communications 
lectures and uh, design lectures and just trying to combine those different disciplines uh, in the hope that one day maybe data storytelling will be able to stand on its own and, and have its own Yeah. Of study. You mentioned the Gestalt principles, kind of, yeah, which is really coming from design aspects. And yeah, storytelling is, you know, people in literature and uh, these kind of fields and arts do that for hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years. And we just need to learn from them how to yes. do it better. Yeah. And actually, you you would be able to also teach these things, aren't you? So to support people with this, but how how can people find you then? Uh, yeah, so you can you can find me on my website www.roguepenguin.co.nz. Uh, so I do I do run workshops, and I I enjoy running workshops because it's not it's not just me doing the work and almost keeping the the IP. Uh, I think more people should be. Uh, learning how to do this data storytelling thing. Uh, it's And if I can train a whole team, normally a whole analytics team will be um, on my one-day training course. And just to be able to give everyone in that team that same basic knowledge. And you're going to have people within, within every team that will be really, really interested in data storytelling and want to carry that on and almost become the champion of that team which is great, uh, but I think if everyone can start at the same level of understanding, just that whole team has this common language now that they can now refer to and uh, try and engage the rest of the What's a group, good group size of, of such a workshop for you? Um, so I've, I've had different sizes. Uh, the bigger the group you get uh, can face it own challenges in regards to we do a lot of uh, group work in our workshops and sharing and so the bigger group you get the less chance that people mm. have to share openly but at the same time the bigger group size almost always uh, involves a lot more different opinions and different discussions on on different topics so so that's a good thing as well i find that a good group size mm. is is about 12 12 to 15 okay. people. Yeah. And I think everybody should bring his laptop and be, you know, quite decently fluid in, in their software, isn't it? Really? No, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, no, the workshops I run, uh, no software re required at all. Uh, everything is done using a pen and paper, coloring in pencils. Uh, I, I try and keep okay. software out of it on purpose because I think it, people just get, as soon as you put a computer in front of someone or a tool in front of someone, they focus on learning that tool rather than learning the principles about why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, so the workshops I run, uh, the first part of the day involves just learning how to write a data story. So without any kind of visual component, How do you structure the narrative in a way that's that's going to engage the audience? And then the afternoon section will be all around design and visuals, but not not involving any kind of software, just purely how do you use color and what contrast would you add to this graph to help support your message more? So it is going right back to basics because I think if you learn the basics, you can then go and apply it to any tool that you like. 
and you're not restricted uh, by the tool when you're trying to learn the principles. Awesome, awesome. That, that sounds like a really, really nice uh, workshop to go to. Thanks so much. We will put all these links also in the show notes. Um, awesome interview because I think we really understand why storytelling is important, how it adds to our job in terms of communicating the data effectively, um, so that it's also emotionally engaging for the audience and becomes really interesting and relevant. Um, we understand that a couple of things that we traditionally maybe learned, we may think about them and, and invest more time in these uh, data story and visualization um, uh, techniques. Um, we, that, yeah, we learned a little bit about design today as well. As I think I've never would have thought that as a statistician, I would kind of learn something about design and I would <laughs> kind of think back of my um, German classes where, where I <laughs> got something taught about stories. So it's really, really fascinating topic. Uh, thanks so much, Kat, for introducing us to that. Well, thank yeah, you for thanks. having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was very, very, very good talking to you. And uh, yep. now enjoy the rest of the day. <laughs> we enjoy all the rest of the evening. Thanks so much. Bye. <laughs> thanks a lot, Kat. Bye. Bye. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. And of course... Don't forget to sign up for the leadership webinar. You'll find that also on theeffectivestatistician.com. So, reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.